As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and all right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paulie and Junior, and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are barely here for you. <laughs> Jay, 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 Jay had to get on the hamster wheel this morning to get the computer going. I'm not sure. Is it going to be okay? Well, that's a great question. Let's hope so. I mean, it, it's working now, so we'll see. Um yeah, I, I have no idea what happened. All the settings were, remained the same from the last show, and all of a sudden, it just didn't want to put me on video, didn't want to hear my voice, and you didn't want to do the show alone, so I did. we're a little late. Apologize to everyone, but uh, hopefully, Bill Gates has things figured out. You know, is is it wrong to eat a sloppy beef and cheddar right on the keyboard, Jay? Is maybe I mean, can we Ooh. can we pinpoint maybe where the blame should lie here? Arby's is so good. You don't wait till you get home to eat it. You eat it in your car. Oh, yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, all right. We have a lot to get to. We've got some new season segments that we've got going on this year. Um, Mo Egger is going to join us, and we are going to do – you know what? We're going to take it easy on his tweets. We've, we've had enough time, years now, of poking fun at his tweets – we're going to go into the Moegger wheelhouse with him. And we're going to have a best bets segment each week. And we're going to see who can make the most fictional dollars this year, Jay. Me, you, or Mo. Uh, or maybe maybe you out there can try to try to bet against us and you can keep your own spreadsheets and records like Jay's going to. So we're excited about that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the news uh, going on with the team as they prepare for Sunday's opener against Pittsburgh. My season prediction story is out. Jay, you are going to take shots at that, I believe. Is that, is that how I understand this? Some slight shots. I, I think there's a there's a few where you're a little too high on your picks and a few where you're a little too low. And, and before we go any farther, I do want to give a shout out um, Jay Goni too created a count, a tweet counter to make my life easier just in time for us to quit counting Mo's tweets. But <laughs> I, I do want to give him a shout out for going to the effort and putting it together. And, uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll go back to that at some point. 
No, we can still count the tweets. I got no oh, okay. problem with still counting his tweets. All right, we just perfect. don't need to make fun of his bad tweets anymore, unless we really want to, <laughs> which I'm also in sport of. Uh, so we, we've got, um, let's see, we were going to get uh, into some season questions, okay? We've got some season prediction questions that we're going to rip through our answers to, uh, including discussing uh, the first time, who's going to be the Bengals' first time pro bowler this year, which is a good time to talk about a story that Jay is going to have out Uh talking to pretty much, I believe, everybody that is connected <laughs> to the Bengals about who they think is going to be the first-time Pro Bowler this year and kind of the the breakout performer and the one that hops out onto the scene. Uh, it's a, It was a really fun conversation. We'll have more on that. So we've got a bunch of questions we're going to get through, some run-passer boots and things like that. And then we've got, of course, uh, our uh, we, we have a good, some good suggestions for a new name for the Scoop segment. I, I think we got a winner. I do, too. I, I think we got a winner, and I'm very excited about that. And then if you're watching here on YouTube right now, thank you for coming on. Uh, by the way, whenever uh, anything hops up during the season uh, that we think uh, is deserving of a red flag, <laughs> I have acquired a tiny red flag. It's China. People's you know, Republic hope, of China. Yeah, I hope that doesn't become a thing. Like, I'm not trying to be political. I just need a red flag. <laughs> this is a red flag. And I think there's a maybe there's a negative connotation with China. So maybe. if we need to reference any red flags uh, that happened during the course of the season, I'm fully prepared to pull it out now for the YouTubers out there. Uh, so all that going on. If you're on, if you have questions, we're going to get to a Q&A segment here at the end. Drop them into the chat uh, and we'll go through some of your questions that you have. Or if you just want to take shots at me and my predictions, feel free. Someone said that they're here to go after me about my Packers Super Bowl pick. I didn't think that was controversial. I've picked the Packers like every single year since 2014 uh, to to win the Super Bowl because I'm just a, an Aaron Rodgers stand for some reason, even though I never learned. Well, on, on your picks where I was going to say where you're high, where you're low, I was going to say where you're high is picking the Jaguars to make the playoffs. But oh, uh, see, that's what I thought I was going to take the heat for. I tried to sneak that thing in there, you know. I tried to sneak it in there. Um, all right, let's go. Um, let's go with news here, real quick uh, to to open up. You know, the news. I think we're in the news, Jay. I think we're in the news because Thursday night, seven o'clock, Fifty West yeah. Brewing Company, uh, the big show, the big season preview show is happening you're gonna have me jay mo james rapine from si kelsey conway from the inquirer jeff hobson uh of course from bangles.com mike traglia from clns we're optimistic bobby of 50 west brewing <laughs> company will be there if you i think if you like talk enough about how much you love him and 50 West and the Bengals at just the right time. You could score a free beer probably, I bet. But uh, we're going to be there. Uh, previous Growler winners, if you're in the house, you can come down. It'll be a chance to collect on the Growlers uh, from over the past year. And uh, it, we're going to have a great time. We're going to record at 7 o'clock right up until Rams Bills starts at 8.30. And then we're going to hang out in the beer garden. The weather looks like it's going to be awesome. Bring a hoodie, though. And uh, it's going to be awesome to hang out there, have some beers, watch the game. We'll all be down there. It should be an absolute great time. Can't wait for it. Also, special episode uh, is going to be dropping in between now and then. Uh, I'm going to have an interview with Elizabeth and Caroline Blackburn. Uh, they're going to chat with me about 
you know, everything that has been happening on the business side, which has been active, uh, and it's been a while since we've chatted with them. Very excited that they're going to uh, take the time to sit down with me. So we'll have that for you between now and the live show on Thursday night. Big, big week. Season preview week is here, and we are all over it. News, Jay. Captains have been announced. Uh, yeah. We'll start there. Uh, on offense, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Ted Karras on defense, DJ Reader, Von Bell, Sam Hubbard, and special teams. Uncle Mike, safety Mike <laughs> Thomas, uh, is uh, captain. Any surprises there? Um, may, maybe Mike Thomas. Um, I, I guess you know it was Huber last year. They he was in a battle this year, so kind of a little surprised to see him lose that captainship. Um, even though he's back, I'm not surprised by Ted Karras as unique as that is for a guy to, to come in, um, first year and be named a captain. We've seen this, this team do that before. They did it with Burrow and Bates, uh, two years ago. This is a little different coming off a Super Bowl run, a really strong roster, but you, you started kind of hearing that even before they had this vote yesterday that, that people thought that Ted Karras, uh, could be a captain on this team, and I, I think it just speaks volumes about what he means. Um, it's 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 everything. It's it's his personality. It's it's leading by example. It's leading vocally. Um, it's the skins on the wall, so to speak. What he's done in this league, I I, I think it's. I'm not gonna. It's not a surprise, but it is a big statement. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the DJ Reader thing, I I'm I'm very happy. You know, yes. for DJ, it matters to him. We talked about maybe even being a little surprised that he wasn't one last year. But then, you know, how hard that is to have two guys from the same position group. Sam Hubbard is going to be a staple as a captain as long as him and Burrow are here together. And that's just that's just what it is. They're sort of the core of the team leadership. Um, but, you know, to have two guys uh, who are both defensive line, because a lot of times you do have position groups kind of uh, – Maybe can I, I would assume I don't know I've never actually seen the inside of the voting these players do it is voted on by the players but it feels like you it's usually a position group is represented in each spot to have two guys from the defensive line be there I think speaks to how powerful their voices and their attitudes are and you saw that all last year I mean Reader whether he had a C on his chest or not was clearly you know um, a driver for this team, you know? And so I, I like, I was excited to see DJ reader, maybe a little surprised only because of, you know, two guys from the same position group can be hard to do. Well, I mean, that happened last year was bell and Bates. And it's interesting that Jesse Bates is not, maybe that is a surprise because these guys all came out in support of him, um, nonstop during the whole contract situation. And maybe Jesse, you know, said DJ deserves, who knows how that inner working, but I, I do think that, that that is interesting that you know just like Huber a captain one year still here the next and not a captain I'm not sure how much to read into that but it there's something i don't know i mean look you can't not show up and think you're going to be a captain like sorry it's cool no one has a problem with you handling your biz like go handle your business the way you want to but the other side of that is you're not going to get voted captain again okay like that's just you can't have your cake and eat it too on that one so it's fine like i don't think anybody have a problem with it but i can't imagine anybody was surprised when people weren't like yeah how about the guy that didn't show up until a week ago he's really the leader here you know i mean no it's it's just it's not you can't do both of those. They don't. They don't play together. Uh, so captains were named. 
uh, Pittsburgh Steelers week is officially upon us. Of course, no one really views Steelers week the same way as they used to anymore. You know, Jay? I mean, it's like Steelers week used to have this thing to it. You know, it was, well, oh, they, how are they going to overcome it now? You know, I, for the season preview piece, you know, I was looking back on the last time that they had beaten the Steelers four times in a row, potentially five times in a row. And you got to go all the way back to the late 80s um, to the last time they had anything remotely close to this. I mean, they 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 did six in a row uh, back mm-hmm. then. And so, I mean, you're <laughs> That's um. It's been a long time since you've viewed Steelers Week as one where it's like, yeah, the Bengals should just sw- swat that net. I think that's kind of the way that fans view it. I don't know if the team does. I don't think you can. Opening day is a different beast. You don't sleep through. Op- you don't like overlook opening week. Like it's the right. first game. You've been itching to get back out there. They haven't played since the loss of the Super Bowl. So I don't, you know, you're not going to, but there is a bit of a sense of, okay, should be able to dispose of these guys. You know, I've, I've got a stat for you that goes a little bit beyond just Bengals Steelers. I was curious because in Mark Caboli kind of referenced this on our, on our AFC North podcast Friday about how it, it's brought up constantly that Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. So I was curious if, if the Bengals do win the opener to beat them four times in a row, what's the list of teams that have won four in a row against a Mike Tomlin coached Steelers team? Um, there were the Patriots from 2013 to 2017, and that's it. That's the list. The Ravens have never beat Tomlin four times in a row. The Browns obviously haven't, but there, there's been a lot of good teams um, that have put together strong runs, and nobody other than the Bill Belichick Patriots have won four straight against Tomlin. So that's that's on the table in the opener for the Bengals. Jay's got stats as always. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Um so it's you know, it's really interesting when you when you think about um, how this division. You know, I, I spent a lot of time trying to to wrap my brain around this division after our AFC North pod, and you know, and just in, in doing the season preview predictions, trying you know, putting all that out there on the record, and you know, you go back to last year, and I think I, I had the Bengals and Steelers both at eight and nine. And then the Browns and the Ravens as, you know, it was, I think last year we viewed it as a bit of a two-team race before Mm -hmm. it started. Browns and Ravens, right? I mean, that was how I think people were viewing the way the North was going to look, and it ended up being not that. Um, So it's, I just think people forget how unpredictable this thing can be. And, 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 you know, the is there a scenario where the Steelers are scary? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, it wouldn't be because you heard Mark Caboli talk about their offensive line. I mean, which was great, uh, by the way. I mean, you know, I, I think you could hear a little bit of the doom and gloom. But yeah, I think logistically, it, this feels more like a two-team race this year than last year. Maybe I'm just saying that because I still have last year's results fresh on my brain. If I maybe if I went back and asked. September 6, 2021 version of myself, a lesser version of me, less wise. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd warn him about a few things, first of all. Uh, you know, may, maybe just tr- think about the marathon, okay, ahead of you. But also, <laughs> you know, it, how much of a two-team race really is it? I think it's more. 
I think it's more. I do as well. I, I Cleveland has a great roster. They just have that quarterback issue. Um, can Brissett be? They so, just have that quarterback. I know that's if, the biggest. If you care about the quarterback position, <laughs> but but you you know you've seen it where you know a, a quarterback that has great pieces around him can can be serviceable enough to win games, be in the hunt. And yes, I think Pittsburgh is going to be a lot better than people think. So um, I, I still I've, I've I think they both can get to the playoffs. I don't know. As I said Friday, it's. I do think it's mainly between the Bengals and the Steelers or the Bengals and the Ravens as the division champion. I think I had Steelers at 15%, but Browns at five. I'm not sleeping on the Steelers. I, anytime Mike Tomlin's coaching that team and that defense has the pieces they do, they can absolutely be a force. Yeah. I, you know, there was a lot of referencing 17, 16 victories in that. And I just, <laughs> you know, I just don't, I don't see there's I don't see there being a lot of games where the Bengals are only scoring 17 and 16 points. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out that uh, Sunday is one of them. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mo, we've never played poker together, have we? Uh, we have not, no. I mean, Are you a poker guy? I'm not a huge poker guy, no. Yeah. No. Were you part of the poker boom? Like when the poker boom was happening and everybody was getting reinvested? It was. We were at a, of an age where we were right like in that, you know, in your 20s during the poker yeah. boom was a good time to like just dudes just got together and played cards like way more than we should have. Guys were getting together and playing cards a lot and cards was on TV all the time. I mean, you know, yeah. it was like during the day, ESPN and the sports networks really hadn't launched into, you know, all day long scream fests. And so if you turned on one of those channels, invariably, you were going to see people playing cards. And what I will tell you is this. I, at the time of this explosion, I was married to my first wife who uh, was and I'm guessing still is a school counselor. And she would say, like, yeah, I, I cut through the cafeteria and the kids are playing Hold'em. And I'm going, well, things have changed drastically since I was in grade school. So no doubt. There you go. Uh, not passing out poker chips on the uh, on the first day of kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, Jay, do you have a tweet count? We have a someone made a tweet counter. Is, is that someone made one? Jay yeah. one? Yeah, Jay Goni uh, two came up with it. First of all, though, I do want to say I got swatted in elementary school for pitching quarters. So oh, wow. I was never a poker guy, <laughs> but I do have a, a history of getting in trouble in school for gambling. Um, so aging yourself with the swatting. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I've, 
I've been in so many of your NCAA pools. I could see you being the kid running a gambling racket, yeah. you yeah. know, when you're 12 years old. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's true. Uh, uh, so, Jay, the, so how does the tweet counter work? Uh, well, I just plug in a start date and time and end an end date and time. And it gives me all of his tweets, all of his replies. And this week's total is 138. Oh, mm. good number. Active week. Appreciate that. We're, we're getting away from making fun of your tweets, Mo, unless I really <laughs> want to, which is very possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of going to get away from that. And I thought we okay. could go a little bit more into your wheelhouse, our wheelhouse potentially. And that is fictional for entertainment purposes only betting where we can, we're just competing against each other over the course of a year to see who can make more fictional for entertainment purposes only money. Mm-hmm. Are you you are you on board with this? A hundred percent. As a matter of fact, right before you texted me, I was I was looking up the history in the 21st century of Super Bowl losers week one, how they did against the spread the following year. Wow. And it ain't pretty. It ain't wow. pretty. <laughs> so like I was doing this, I was doing this hard research right when you texted me about this this morning. Okay, well, we, we're going to get to that in a second. We're going to get into the what's going to be our new competitive betting uh, segment here. But I want to start with this one. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast, uh, yeah. which is, is up. Now, I had somebody ask for this, and we referenced it. Uh, I talked about the keychain that I have that I shook into the microphone during that particular episode, the one that uh, it kind of reminds me that you're supposed to remember who you were when you were supposed to say you were, this is the job that you always wanted. And uh, let's see, here, here's the retro Bengals logo wow. right there. That's a super throwback keychain is what that wow. is. So people, people were asking for the keychain. There's the keychain uh, that is from, I believe, 1982. Uh, somewhere in that, I'm not. Whenever they first got that helmet, you know, so mm -hmm. 81, 82, 81. I think is how old it is. But uh, so go listen to that for more. But background on that story and so much more. You asked me about Key West, which I love to talk about forever. So it was a yeah. great time. I appreciate you having me on and the kind words you said. We're too, we're we're too kind. You didn't have to do that. Well, you were. I said it at the top of the thing. You were our test episode. You know, so there was Basically, a really you weren't chance. afraid to hurt my feelings if the thing blew up. There was a really good chance that thing was never going to see the light of day. And then when it worked, <laughs> we're like, all right, cool. Let's let's slap it on the end and we'll we'll play it the first week of the NFL season. So, yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, three to four today, Tuesday, every Tuesday at More Line Logger House. Uh, come on down and see myself and Mo. Mo is there till six, of course. Uh, every Tuesday. I'm very, very excited about it. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's huge. Um, let's talk about what does a successful season look like? What, what is, what is that to you? What does a successful season look like for the Bengals? And, and because I, I, I wrote this in my season preview and prediction. It's not fair to anybody to predict they'll win the Super Bowl. Like it's just, once you get to a certain level, it's just, that's, that's not a fair thing. You predict people will be in the mix at the very end. Okay. But to say they'll, oh, yeah, they'll definitely win the Super Bowl. And if they don't, it sucks. Like, come on now. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't buy, I don't buy that. What, what for you? Maybe, maybe you disagree. What for you is a successful season? I, I don't disagree with you. At the same time, I think many of us have framed the first five years as of Burroughs career as the window in which you've got to win a title because it's going to become a lot more difficult to build around a quarterback making the kind of coin that he's going to be getting. And so two years are gone. This is one of those seasons. So if you look at it from that standpoint, and a lot of people do, maybe you guys don't, but um, 
there's a lot of folks who have said the the importance of winning while you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow under a rookie contract cannot be overstated <clears throat> if if those and and I'm including the fifth year if if those first 5 years come and go and nobody's won a ring that's going to feel underwhelming well this is one of those seasons so you know, to a degree, you could say, well, look, I mean, okay, if you don't win it this year, eh, time's running out uh, on the, the rookie contract. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I have a hard time saying it's Super Bowl or bust. And if anything, last year illustrated how hard it is to get there, how hard it is to even come as close as they did. Um, so for me, I start with, okay, what's failure? Failure would be they don't make the postseason. I think we would all agree, given the team they have, given what they accomplished last year, given the quarterback based on how we feel about the roster heading into the season, even if you build in maybe slightly worse injury luck, as long as it just doesn't wreak havoc with the team, including on starting QB, missing the postseason, I don't care if they finish with the same record, would feel incredibly underwhelming. Okay, so that's failure. So is success, you sneak in as the seven, and you suffer Pittsburgh's fate last year where you get blown out? I think that would feel pretty underwhelming as well, quite frankly. So, so for me, I, I think it's it's hard to say the season is a failure if they win the AFC North. Good division. Um, Baltimore certainly appears poised to be significantly better than they were last year, mainly because they're healthy. You stave them off. You win the division. You get a home game. Boy, I'd have a hard time saying that's a failure if if that's all they do. So I'll I'll sort of start. I'll sort of say that, uh, win the division unmitigated success, but then again, okay, you're at home in the postseason. What's your seed? Who do you lose to? How does that game unfold? Uh, so I'll just, I, I'll start with, I'll say win the division and then let's take our chances playing at home, um, higher seeded team. Um, let's go. And, and to me, if they win the division, they will have outlasted a really good Baltimore team, which tells me they're from a health standpoint in pretty good shape. I'll do that. Then there's the middle area. It's well, they, they finish in second or third and they make it as a wild card. And, and then I think how you view the season may be solely judged on how far they advance in the postseason If they do it all, what I will say is this, the most refreshing thing about being a Bengals fan and talking about them on the radio is we are no longer focusing on winning one stupid playoff. That is behind <laughs> us. I am so happy about that. That I mean, that to me was the, the cathartic thing about what they did against the Raiders last year. It's like, all right, cross that off. We don't have to do that anymore. We, we, we are going to do it with the Reds forever, but um, I like that. I'll say win the division, but you know, again, if, if you win the division and then lose a home playoff game, is is that gonna we're we gonna all feel great about that? Um, how much do you allow them to cash in the equity built up last year? And then at what point, how long do you let them go without winning a title before you say, look, it is championship or bust? Because at some point you are gonna get there. I mean, hell, they're saying that about the Buffalo Bills right now, right? Like anything shy of a title is is failure. At what point do we get to that spot with the Bengals, if if ever? But uh, it's a long-winded answer to your question. I'll say win the AFC North, and I think we'll all feel pretty good about what they accomplished, at least in the regular season. Dang, Mo just called me stupid because I was going to say <laughs> advance in the playoffs, and that's it. That's that's a successful season if you advance <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, 
yes, the championship or bust. I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, you do make a good point though. If they go 14 and three, 15 and two somehow and win and, and get the number one seed and win the division and then lose that first game, you can't say that wasn't a successful season, but it would be a disappointment, obviously, sure. to, to have that home game, not even a wild card weekend the following weekend and to lose. But it, I just, it, it, as much as last year kind of changed the narrative around this team, it's still for years we talked about that that would define success as advancing mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And so I do, I, if they get in as a wild card and upset somebody, or if they win the division and win a game at home, I, I think that's where it starts. If any, if, as long as they win one playoff game, I think you have to consider this year a success. I would, I, I, think, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I guess for me, if you're, if you're, if you go, okay, this season wasn't successful. Okay. Well, the opposite is failure. Failure to me comes with fallout. It comes with ramifications, mm-hmm. right? So if the season's a failure, what is that going to mean? Is it going to mean they change coaches? I think most would say probably not. Does it mean they're going to blow up what they're doing? We're probably like what I guess what I would want to know is if the season's a failure, what comes of that? And and maybe it's look, they just uh they weren't as lucky. They uh they had a bunch of injuries, just get everybody healthy, bring the band back together, and we're okay. Um you know, we talked before last season, you know, okay, they've got to get to a certain number of wins, which is gonna, you know, call the dogs off with Zach. What was that win total? Seven, eight. You know, it seems weird to even be thinking about now. But I mean, we were framing the failure success conversation, I think, around, well, if they fail, here's what's going to have to happen and here's what might happen or, or here's what will happen. I think that's a little bit more difficult to do right now, don't you? Yeah, I, th- th- this is something that we do every year. Like this is a standard, mm-hmm. you know, trope for all of us is uh, what's a success, what's a failure. It's never been harder to answer because – you had the ultimate success last year. The, it's like, and you're writing how much of that is still carried over. How much of that does still does have give you equity this year? To me, you look at the team that they have because I, I do think that if they don't make it to a certain level, there's going to be some very obvious, excusable excuses, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, of it was going to be injury, or maybe Burrow went down, or 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 just something that was. It's not going to be massive regression everywhere. I just I I just don't see that given the state of their roster being the case so to me taking away the concept of excusable excuses um would be look being that you need to be in that big four i think you, I, if you're there in, in the afc this deep loaded afc and you're there with some combination of herbert mahomes you know in there with burrow what allen like if you're there in that group of the last four state left standing in the afc that's a yeah. freaking accomplishment this year to be yeah. honest and so I, I and you get in there and i think any of those teams playing against each other in that level are flipping coins man like you just, there's too much talent there's too many good quarterbacks in the afc and, and that are built to win now that are tested for the most part um, and that's not counting whatever, you know, we're going to see somebody come out, a team or two come out of nowhere a little bit. The Jags, maybe, huh? Hmm. <laughs> we're going to see somebody come out of nowhere and and become relevant. Maybe Baltimore. Maybe we're talking about Lamar Jackson in that same vein. To be in that mix, to me, is certainly success. I I, I think what you're right, but making the you they got to make the playoffs. I think yeah, almost baseline. almost regardless, you got to make the playoffs. There's a gray area in the middle of what you like, what you are comfortable with between that and playing amongst the last four in the AFC. But at that point, 
take your chances. Put your, keep putting yourself in that pot, right? It's the Brady philosophy. Be in the AFC title game every year, and eventually you're going to hold Lombardi's. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go along with that. I mean, you know, to me, it's like, all right, win the division, lose a playoff game. I would need to know the context, right? Who is available? Yeah. Who is healthy? Who'd they play? All that sort of stuff. If if they win a playoff game, um, I would really have a hard time going failure. I, I mean, I, I just no. I'd have a hard time doing that. But but I also do think if okay, they didn't win it last year, they didn't win it this year. Well, if they don't win it next year. And they don't win it the year after that. At, at, at what point does it go? Okay, this is cool. You're relevant. This is what we've been waiting for. But well, you got to hoist a Lombardi, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, to 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 really sort of um, feel good about what they're doing. At some point, you do need to win a title. So I I, I would wonder, you, you know, let's say we're having the same conversation two years from now. How much of it then is championship or bust? But but you, the three of us, all know. There are folks for whom anything shy of winning a title, you know, this team is going to be a victim of last year's team success. Anything shy of winning a title is now going to be viewed for some um, specifically through the lens of, well, they failed, right? I mean, yeah. they, they took that step last year. All they did was equal it, even if they got back to the Super Bowl and lost. So, but yeah, for me, um, if you, if you win your division, you're playing at home, chances are you're going to be favored uh, take the next step, win one playoff game. I think I think most of us would walk away from the season going, you know what, that was that was pretty damn good. If if winning a title is your baseline for not being failure, you should probably move out of Cincinnati because we have not seen a title in these parts in a long time. Yes, wire to wire. Uh, where's Quinones? Was a long time ago. Mo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, we we all know that that's. That's just how it works for a lot of people, and and again, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of you know relevancy, and and they matter, and and when your team matters, if your team matters for a long enough stretch of time, at some point, you know, there's a pretty good chance they're going to win one. But you know, again, I mean, if if we're having the same conversation two years from now, and it's been boy, they've they've come close, and they've won some playoff games, and boy, they're really fun to watch. But where's the title? Uh I, I I think it'd be interesting to see how people are framing, you know, individual seasons and this whole era. Um, yep. If they don't win. All right, let's just take a quick break. Uh, let's get to best bets, Mo. Uh, is that, do you like that as a title? Is that a uh, creative? Sure. They both have B. It's never been used before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making Mo fictional money. I, I like, like that. It's pretty good. Good Wow. Uh, so, uh, we'll, we'll go. We'll go with that. Uh, so, I mean, we finally got our other working title taken care of, Jay, and now we've got to come up and see if maybe this, maybe this one holds up. Again, if listeners have good ideas for the name of what this segment should be, we'll take it from you. You guys hit a home run on the last one you're about to find out about, so maybe you'll have another one. Okay, so we've got basically twenty dollars, two, two, two fictional bets that you can make. Uh, the first one, Bengals related. The second one can be anything else. I mean, what Grammys, ESPYs, like uh, who will win the Bachelorette? Uh, you know, oh, I mean, wow. I'm sure there's places you could go with that. Probably staying in the world of the NFL and sports, but you know, you go wherever you want to with the other one. Uh, so I've got, uh, we've all got our 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 set down here. So Mo, I'll let you begin. So I mentioned what I was looking up today, and I was doing this for for my own purposes but since i i referenced it i'll tell you this so cincinnati is a home favorite week one 
uh, laying six and a half points against Pittsburgh. Super Bowl losers against the spread this century. Their following game, four and eighteen. Wow! Yikes! Not good. Nine and wow. thirteen straight up. So the Super Bowl hangover might not be real, but Super Bowl losing teams coming back week one and failing to cover the spread is. Um, division underdogs week one since 2005, 61-41-2 against the spread. And since 2014, 29-9-1. That is a 76% cover rate. So uh, division underdogs in a divisional game week one tend to cover. That leans us toward Pittsburgh. Um, also, it's worth mentioning Mike Tomlin as an underdog, 45-23-2 by far and away the best uh percentage against the spread of any coach as an underdog in the national football league. Um, does any of that mean that Pittsburgh's going to cover the number on Sunday? No, I- I'm going to stay away from that. But what I will go with is Pittsburgh under 17 and a half points. Uh, Mitch Trubisky and the guys, uh, I- I- Paul, and you and I have talked about this. This Bengals defense could be excellent. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty with the Steelers on the road offensively. I know Najee Harris is really, really good. I don't trust Trubisky in this spot. 17 sort of feels like a good cap to put on the Steelers. If they only score 17 points, they're not going to win the game. But 17 and a half, I don't think they get more than three scores. And I don't think one of those scores is going to be anything but a field goal. So if I have to make one Bengals-related bet, I'm going to go Pittsburgh under 17 and a half points. And again, if you're going to do that, and then I'm allowed to make other bets, well, it's hard for me to believe that Cincinnati won't at least score 18, and then you would go money line Bengals, might still be kind of hard for them against that defense to cover the number, and it's because of that Pittsburgh defense and just the overall jankiness of week one for a team that really didn't play its main guys during the preseason. Um, I would also maybe lean towards Cincinnati under, which I think is 26 and a half, but if there's one I feel better about more than any, Pittsburgh under 17 and a half points week one. I like that. So are you, uh, you putting all 20 on that one or I was allowed one Bengals bet, right? One Bengals yeah, bet. Yeah, yes. One Bengals bet and one anything else bet. So you can so, you can so, choose how much or you how much of your 20 that you want to uh I'm going $15. Can, 15 okay. on that. 15 okay. fictional bucks units. <laughs> now, do you want the other one? Yeah. So, um I'm going to I'm going to aim for value here with my 5. And and I'll be honest with you, I there's two Okay, they're they're futures bets. One is if I could figure out a way to parlay, and I'm anti-parlay betting, but if I could figure out a way to to throw together Cincinnati to win the AFC North, New England to finish in last place in the AFC, and Kansas City to make the playoffs, no, I haven't done the math on this, but the odds of that, pretty damn good. So you're getting a team that's in the AFC championship game every year. You're betting on them not making the postseason in that tough division. I think the Patriots are going to stink. You can tell me all you want about Bill Belichick. He's got defensive dudes calling plays. I don't think there's anybody to throw to. I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I think Miami's got a chance to be pretty good. Jets had a good offseason. Buffalo should be excellent. And then Cincinnati to win the division in what I think is going to be a two-team race. If I could throw those three together, that's awfully tempting. Now, the other one that I love, though, um, the Offensive Player of the Year. This is the AP NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, in recent years, has not gone to a quarterback. 
Two of the last three years, it's gone to a wide receiver. Jamar Chase to be the NFL's offensive player of the year is at plus 3,300 at wow. multiple books. That is insane value. Now, all I need is for Jamar Chase to be the NFL offensive player of the year. There's like two dozen dudes listed ahead of him who have better odds. I'm probably going to lean that just because I'd love to be the guy holding the ticket at the end if he actually wins it. And there are three different player of the year awards. There's Pro Football Writers Association of America. There's like, uh, I don't know what the other one is. And then there's the, it's got to be the AP award. Mm -hmm. uh, wide receiver won it last year. Wide receiver won it three years ago. If Jamar Chase has the sort of season that many expect, how's he not in the conversation? So I love that value. I wouldn't maybe not do it at like, 13, but at plus 3,300, I think I'm more likely to go there with my extra $5 than the other three team or futures bet. So Jamar Chase, offensive player of the year, plus 3,300. Wow. All right. I like it. Jay, are you marking these down? I am. I'm, he could be in last place and hit that at the end and, that's and win it. the whole I, that's, thing. I, I like the nature. I like the long yep. play there. So Jay, we're keeping what you standings. Got? Is that what we're doing? Yes. Season oh, standings. Oh, no. Most oh, over yeah. the course of the entire season. Season standings. That's right. Do I always have to provide some sort of betting nugget like the, the lines thing that I literally was sitting here doing that because I was yeah. curious how <laughs> I, I, I appreciate I appreciate no, these nuggets. If, if you wanted to do that crazy parley, I could look up what, what the odds are and then put that there's betting calculators out there. You sure. can put it in and see what the it two pay. were made. The two bets have yeah, been made. It's yeah. over. We're not going to go look up anymore. <laughs> Jay, I'm what do you got? Parlay as a general rule, but yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued because I'm, I'm going to do each of those individually. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. What if I did all three together and the hits and then that'd be a really fun January. So that would be, but I'm going to go Jamar chase. Uh, all right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, I'm with Mo. I'm, I'm anti-parlay. That's for people chasing their money. This is week one. Nobody's chasing anything yet. Right. So my my non-Bengals pick, um, Baker Mayfield over 219 and a half passing yards. I just I just think he's going to torch the Browns. The Browns have a great defense, but we know what Baker Mayfield is like when he gets pissed off, when he feels slighted. I just I think he's going to have a huge day. And you. 220 is not a huge day and you still win the bet. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 taking Baker Mayfield over 219 and a half passing yards. I'm only going to put $6 on that. My big one and I love I can't believe I found this. You talked about 76% winning. I've got a 15-year trend that hits 81% of the time. The Steelers are plus 118 to be the team to score last in the first half against the Bengals. Mm. 25 of the last 31 games they've scored in the final two minutes of the first half. It's it's unreal how many times they do that to the Bengals. So at $14 at plus 118 is going to win me 26. That's that's going to be my Bengals bet. Um, Steelers will be the last team to score in the first half. Okay. All right. Mark it down. I've got two long-term bets here. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna I want to keep my hope alive all year for something to happen. I've got uh, so for I'm gonna do this one for th fifteen, and that's Bengals are seven to one to win thirteen games this year. Now I have them winning eleven, and I had a hard time keeping them down at eleven. I I was trying to you know kind of take it easy on the full expectations, but I, thirteen and four like feels. 
like a realistic uh, over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for, uh, that doesn't feel crazy to me to say at all. And to get that at seven to one over the course of a year, I like those odds. So I, I'm I'm taking that and give me that for 15 and try to hit a big one right at the end there. Um, and then my flyer, I got to keep going with, it. I got to ride my trend. I got to ride my gut, Jay. Doug Peterson, coach of the year, 16 to 1. Okay? <laughs> 16 to 1. That look, if the Jags make the playoffs, if the Jags go 9 and 8 under new coach Doug Peterson, the anti-herb effect, all of that stuff, he, people are going to love that story. People are going to eat up that story for coach of the year. All he needs is like to make Trevor Lawrence be good. Wasn't Trevor Lawrence good? <laughs> I thought Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be really good. Okay. And I believe that Trevor Lawrence can be good in year two with a real coach who took a team to the Super Bowl. So give me Doug Peterson at 16 to one to win coach of the year. And I'm, I'm also going to have a very fun January. So we're, we're all, a lot of long game happening here. I like that. All right. Jay, you got them all marked down. I've got them. Yes. I just want to really have to watch that NFL Honor Show that's on the oh, Saturday yeah. night before the well, Super Bowl. Well, you don't have to. I'll just tell but, you. But you now, don't have to watch it. like, there's a. I mean, if he's one of the finalists, I'm I'm gonna have to watch that. And now that's going to be an anxiety filled Saturday night that <laughs> <Yeah>. typically is <laughs> not. So that I'm not looking forward to with my Jamar Chase bet. But uh, if there's a payoff at the end of it, I guess it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. All right, Mo. I will see you at three o'clock at the Moreline Logger House today. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right, so we have kind of, we've kind of started to tip our hands a little bit on predictions, and and uh, great to hear from Mo as always. But we got a little bit more in the um, season co- in the season predictions, which I have up on the site right now. You can go take a look at. Um, I'm on the record. You can hold me to it. You have receipts, okay? Uh, I have the Bengals winning the AFC North by beating Baltimore in the last week of the season. Uh, going 11 and six, I have all the final stats there, which include a, a few significant changes, uh, for Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Joe Burrow. Um, I won't dive too deep into that. You can go read it. Um, Jay, I'll allow you to take shots. What did you like? What did you not like? Where do you disagree with me? Okay. So, uh, I thought you came in low on three totals or three numbers here. The first one, you have Joe Burrow with five interceptions, it's going to be higher than that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be crazy, but I mean, you're going to have three or four bad break, bad bounce interceptions, batted balls, drop balls. I just hit while you're throwing. I just, I, I think it's almost a lock that he's going to have more than five interceptions this year. Um, the other one, you have Mike Hilton with one sack and yes, he did not have any sacks last year, but so much was made about him being the best, best corner blitzing or slot blitzing corner in the league. Uh, when I talked to him for the who's next to make a make their first Pro Bowl for the Bengals, he was the only guy that picked himself. And he said, <laughs> second year in Lou's system, Lou now knows how to use me and let me make plays. Um I don't know if that's if he's trying to nudge Lou to to free him up to blitz more or if he sees that coming. But I, I think he gets more than one sack this year. And then the other one, um, Jesse Bates, more than three interceptions. Uh, twenty six times in Bengals history, they've had a five hundred or better record. Only three times did the leading interceptor have three or fewer. 
I just I, I think Bates is my pick to lead this team in interceptions this year. And I just I see him. I don't know if he's going to go crazy and be up in the six, seven range, but I I think he gets at least four. I think he's over three. Never had three in his more than three in his career. I, I know, but the, it's a contract year. I mean, so it's last a, year. Yeah, I know, but it's it. I just he he kind of was in his head last year. I think that that part's behind him. He is going to be super motivated this year. The defense is going to be better. The offense is going to be better. If if they're jumping on people, then the the other team's going to be throwing even more, taking more chances. I just I I that one may be my my least likely of the the three on this list, but I, I think he goes more than three. That's fair. Uh, that's that's fair. I, I I think that I was trying to go a lot off of uh, recent history and play to the mm-hmm. history there, and and I you know I have a hard time having him go more where he's had really great seasons before and never had more than three. Uh, the the Burrow thing, I'll say this. I mean, I think people forget, you know, how good he got at taking care of the football and avoiding turnover worthy plays and avoiding interceptions. That the second half of last season, I felt like. When he really started to focus on that, that kind of became his next evolution that happened midseason last year was he did such a good job taking care of the ball. And there were bad bounces that played a big role um, in in the picks that he ended up with at the beginning of last season. I mean, the second half of last season, it's him and Aaron Rodgers, man. Like, as far as the fewest turnover-worthy plays and not having interceptions. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers does it every year where he's got, like, two (laughs) picks. Right, like I don't think it's crazy to say that Burrow can it will end up being that kind of guy. I, I think Bur- you know it's not like they both don't have some gunslinger to their game and some spontaneous yeah. play to their game. They just know how to take care of the ball, and I think he's going to have a little bit more focus on keeping it out of harm's way. Um, and, and just judging by the evolution that we saw in the midpoint of last year, I'm I'm betting on Burrow becoming that kind of guy this year, and, and that being a staple of his career from this point forward. Of cutting back on the interceptions, a better understanding of where not to throw it. And his receivers doing a better job of keeping him out of harm's way with that as well. Uh, catching the ball more often, just everything clicking a little bit better. So I, that, that's where that came from. That is the big major, you know, one of the biggest major mm-hmm. changes in Burroughs numbers that I wanted to illustrate with that was I, I think we see it go that way this year based off what we saw in his development uh, last year. So in, in the postseason. Uh, I have the Bengals uh, winning their first playoff game, so a success by the standards mm-hmm. uh, that that we just talked about. Um, I have them as the the three seed, beating the Ravens again, so having to go back to back in the final week of the season with a win, and then doing it again in the wild card round. And then I have them their season ending in SoFi Stadium again, uh, this time at the Chargers. I hate myself, Jay. For picking the Chargers. I have been anti-Chargers <laughs> hype. And I am anti-Chargers hype. But yet, as I started going through it, I just... I'm still not totally comfortable with the Bills. Like, I, I there's just something there that's not sitting right with me. Probably because too many people are crowning them. And then you look at the rest and... Yeah, there's a, there's, there is a lot to like about Chargers. I hated myself, though, for putting them in, in the Super Bowl. I did. I have Chargers over Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Um, but I get, you know, when you get to Chiefs, Bills, Chargers, Bengals, man, like to me, I think yeah. there's a tier there. 
of when when you start quarterback play, well-rounded teams, offense, defense, playmakers. I, I think there's a bit of a tier there, and we'll see as the season goes along. But for me, the way I viewed it was those four. Any combination of those four. If, again, if we were bet doing the bet combo those four together to to play or win the Super Bowl to try to get odds, I, mm-hmm. I would confidently do that for a big number. I think a surprise team will be in the final four. One of those four won't make it. I, I don't. I'm not going to have a hot take and say who it's going to be. But it's Jags. Just, Jags. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get them to the playoffs instead of <laughs> <laughs> getting getting to the final four. Uh, um, you know, you. I went over the th- the three numbers where I thought you were low. I, I've got three where I thought you were high. Uh, one is Joe Mixon, 14 TDs. I looked it up. There's only been seven instances in Bengals history where someone scored 14 or more TDs. Only one guy's done it more than once in his career. Joe did it, had 16 last year, and that was Pete Johnson, and he never did it in back-to-back years. So that would be history for Mixon to uh, to hit 14 two years in a row after getting 16 last year. Uh, also going to go lower for Jamar Chase with 11 touchdowns. Kind of the the same thought press has here. Only only eight guys in Bengals history have had, or only eight times in Bengals history has there been someone to catch 11 receiving TDs. It's just as great as Jamar Chase is. It's We've talked about it all preseason, offseason, that the, the coverage is going to come his way. They've got a bunch of other weapons in that red zone. Um, he's going to be doing his stuff underneath instead of the over-the-top. I just I think there's a slighter regression or a bigger regression there touchdown-wise. And then the last one, uh, you had the Bengals uh, on your week by week at seven and two at the bye. I'm going to go lower than seven wins when they get to the bye. If that first part of the season, man, it feels like they should feast. They it should. Really, I mean, they're uh, staying There's, healthy. You know, the continuity that they have, the ability to pick up from where they were last year. A lot of teams with new quarterbacks, new coaches, uncertain situations. Uh, I, it's just, you know, it feels like they should win a bunch of tilts there. There's always that clunker. Um, and yeah. so Jets, Panthers, or Falcons, one of those three is going to upset the Bengals. Wow. All right. Bold. That is a bold claim. <laughs> uh, so I have the Packers uh, over the uh, Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game and Packers uh, beating the Chargers. I, I pick the Packers like every year. Like I just I, I keep trying That's to pick bet. Aaron Rodgers. I just feel like. He's going to get a second one before it's over. He's won back-to-back MVPs. Like He's been good. Their defense is going to be really good. I know he lost Devontae Adams. People don't like, – like this is the same thing with the Bengals because you got Aaron Rodgers. People want to talk about Devontae Adams. People don't talk about the Packers' defense enough. Their defense is going to be awesome. Awesome. Okay? They have so many players. And and you, you, you have a great defense with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't care about the rest of it. You know, I just I, I think that they'll find they've been there. They've been at the doorstep over and over again. They'll find a way to break through. So I, I I'm going to keep I'm going to keep pounding the Packers. Uh, but yeah, there's all, I mean, there's so many teams that certainly could end up being predictions certain to go wrong. Um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the defense um, again. And I, you know, blame myself because that's the point of the story. Uh, you know, kind of a big story I've been working on for the last couple of weeks is about this defense and about what is that next level and what is it about the disrespect of people not talking about them and overlooking them that drives them. And during the portion of talking to a ton of people about that, uh, I had one really good conversation uh, with Chidibe Wuzier. I wanted to bring you a, a portion of it. Um, uh, it's, there's a couple of different stories in here. One that is, that is going to be coming later, 
that he we kind of mentioned too, but really about this defense, the idea of disrespect, uh, and the fact that people aren't talking about when I talk to everybody, the one underrated, most underrated player people said over and over again, Chidabe Uzie. Why do more people not talk about how good he is? They, I think, widely within the building recognized as one of the most underrated players um, on this entire team, if not in the league. Uh, so here's a little bit of my combo with, with Cheeto. You, you heard me talking to Jermaine the other day, and he pointed out you as the most underrated guy. That's been a popular opinion. Do you hate that? <laughs> as being the idea of, like, I know I want to be properly rated and recognized. I don't know if that's, like, I mean, this is all, it's all just a respect thing to me. You know, it's like one of those things, like, if you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? And those people that know, you know, I, I hope that they get, I gain their respect. Yeah. Underrated thing, overrated thing. I think it's all a product of what you put on on the field. And, I, and I'm very aware that I'm on a new team. You know, I've had a great or good, decent year, however you want to call it. And I also know that you have to do it on a consistent basis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking forward to this year and the challenges that it brings to see if I can do it again. That's yeah. my whole goal is to just be this player, you know. So um, I know the more that I do it, naturally, the rate itself. You know, so. I, there's one thing in there that I really liked amongst a bunch of things, and that is I feel like he's kind of a microcosm of the way people view this Bengals defense. Mm-hmm. Do it one more year to to be that player, right? I, I you got it. You can't just do it once, and, and I think that's where so much of the the skepticism lives with the Bengals. You know, people will point out, oh, the DVOA was in the the back of the teens, and and they got all these turnovers, and they did it once. Okay, but can they replicate that? Is can they prove that they can be that team? That this is who they are. I think there's every sign points to them being able to do that. Um, but just like Cheeto saying in his own specific case, this is the year to prove you are this. This is mm-hmm. the level. This is the baseline that we play at that i play at and and i I think for that fact there's a real motivation still there amongst all these guys and you know cheeto goes on to say it i mean look i it's time to let them know right he says it's time to let them know and and enough quiet enough humble go out there and and do it and uh and so i i i love that i love that from him that you know Cheeto came in third place in my story, asking guys who the who was most likely to make their first Pro Bowl this year, and and a lot of the comments were the same way that that he's already Pro Bowl caliber. It now five primetime games, a lot more high profile games. He's going to show everybody how good of a player he is. Uh, just as this defense is going to have a chance to really prove that last year was not a fluke, and so I do I love how those both of those kind of go hand in hand. Um, because he, they, he, he obviously has a ton of respect in the room, in the building with his teammates and his coaches. Um, it's just, it's time for the, the rest of the, the fans and the league to appreciate how good he actually is. Yeah, totally agree. I'll have that full story. We'll be out Wednesday morning on the athletics. Make sure you check it out. Uh, let's go season questions here. Um, we're, let's start with the question that you have asked. How many people, Jay, what we end up, what'd the number end up for you? Uh, 33, 33 people connected in the Bengals organization were asked who will be a first 
all-time Pro Bowl pick, non-Borough division, of course. <laughs> the current Pro Bowlers are, the people who have been to a Pro Bowl on this team are who? Uh, Trey Hendrickson, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon all went for the first time last year. Uh, the only other guys on the team who've made it are Clark Harris and Kevin Huber. Okay, so everybody else is open. Uh, my pick, Jay, um, and I don't know where he. I don't know who where your rankings ended up on how it all ended up. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Evan McPherson. I mean, wow. He here's here. I mean, look. The Pro Bowl is a popularity contest, and he is an international mm. icon at this point. <laughs> like he has, he has made a name for himself on the biggest stages in the playoffs. Everybody knows his game winners in the distance, and it, I think it's gonna, you know, unless things go totally sideways, people have kind of been like auto putting inducting Justin Tucker right in, but I think McPherson. Uh, has a chance to take that mantle from him and the popularity nature of the Pro Bowl as I'm most focused on trying to get this correct, not being correct philosophically, uh, would be, I would say, Evan McPherson was my answer. He got a a few votes, not many. I actually, I asked Evan McPherson the question and um, I'm honestly trying to remember who he went with. I think he went with T. Higgins. but at the end of the conversation, he said, has anybody picked me? And I said, <laughs> no, not yet. And he, he he walked away. He's like, threw his arms up and said, I can't believe nobody picked me. I mean, he was he was joking around, <laughs> but he was he was having a good time with it. And then uh, eventually three people did pick him. So he did get his votes. Uh, not not near the top at all. Um, the The number one guy is my guy. And it's not it's not just because of hearing the comments of everybody else had, had I not done that, um, that polling, I, this still would have been my pick and it's T Higgins. I just think with the attention coming towards Jamar chase, um, with what T Higgins is irrespective of what Jamar chase is, he's ready. I mean, he had a big year last year and I think this is going to really be uh, a blowout year and, or a, a blow up year. He had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. He's he's on the radar now. People know who he is. People view him as a number one receiver on basically 80, 90% of the other teams in the league. I just I I think all signs point to that guy having a huge year and making his first Pro Bowl. I mean, I I, I thought that the problem is receiver is just such a hard group mm, to try to is. break into. I mean, it's from a positional standpoint, I, I don't think there's anything harder. There's so many good receivers uh, across the entire league. I mean, when you when you just just start looking around, you know, the AFC, you've got what? Stefan Diggs. Go by team, Tyreek Hill. Uh, let's go uh, his own teammate Jamar Chase. Okay. Devontae Adams. Devonte Adams, Amari Cooper, um, let's see, Michael Pittman, um, you know, whoever ends up having a big year in Kansas City, Mahomes is going to make somebody big. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I mean, there's just so many names that are household number ones. I, I don't disagree necessarily that T. Higgins is a good player, can can be a great player, and could have better numbers than Jamar Chase by the end of the season. I mean, you look 
when you put them side by side, once Chase kind of evened out, right? Once once people discovered, mm-hmm. okay, Chase is the real deal. He's a dog, um, and he's going to kill us if you don't pay attention. Higgins was actually the same, if not better, from a total production standpoint from that point forward, from about the midpoint of last season forward. So, you know, Higgins can absolutely be that guy again where he can – I'm not debating that, but it's just receivers, man. That is a tough nut to crack. Um, so I, you know, for that fact, I I couldn't do it. But I under, I understand where people are coming from, and I'm putting more thought into it probably than most of the players are because he passes mm-hmm. the eye test in every single way when you watch him. Right, and it and it was it was coaches, it was defensive guys, it was often it was it was across the board that that he was the number one pick, and um, you know I. I Jesse Bates was third. So it was T. Higgins, Jesse Bates, Chidobi Awuzie with the top three. That's interesting. Remember, more on that story, of course, uh, will be out. Make sure you check that out in the athletic as well, which was uh, uh, a lot of fun to hear as that was, uh, you know, going on over time as the the numbers were piling up, some of the responses from people. I always love that stuff. I love hearing. I always, We've done that a couple of times now this preseason uh, to really get a view of what the team internally really thinks about who is is showing well and and pointing in the right direction? I think you always get the truest stuff there, and uh, really looking forward to to that story. All right, uh, let's go. Most important stat to watch, Jay. You're a Jay's got stats guy, so I'm sure you've got a really good one here. Yeah, I, I mean, it's nothing I dug up. It's just off the top of my head. I think it's going to be third down efficiency. For the Bengals offense and, and, and even more so short third and short that again, we've talked about this. The teams are not going to let the Bengals beat them over the top. There's going to you're going to see those shells. They're going to have to drive the ball more often. And, and to do that, you're going to have to convert third downs. And they weren't great in third and short last year. Um, so if, you, if I don't say the threat of the home runs gone, it's always going to be there. But. I, they're not going to be able to be as reliant on this year, and, and they are going to have to get a lot better at keeping those chains moving, and and, and that comes with with converting third downs. And I just I, if you ask me, I, I I know a lot of people might pick sacks, but I mean they went to the Super Bowl last year giving up all those sacks, so it it is important to reduce them. But I, I think third down efficiency is going to be the most telling stat this year for this team. Yeah, red zone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think would probably be in that conversation. Mix and yards per carry is in that conversation because if if they really get that going, I think there's a thought that, you know, the Collins, Kappa, Karras thing will most benefit the mix and yards per carry, get that up into the four or five range. And if you have that, like they're you're unstoppable. Burrow and that receivers with a run game that's doing that, good night to everybody. Um and, and I think they recognize that. Uh, those are there. Uh, I would say defensive pressure rate is going to be an important one. When yep. you're looking at that defense, like, man, beyond Hendrickson, how much are they going to be able to get back there? Can they stay after the quarterback? That's going to be one to watch. Those are all honorable mentions to me. Uh, to Burrow, turnover-worthy plays. You know, I talked about this earlier. Look, if you have a quarterback who does what Joe Burrow did the second half of last year and is just barely putting the ball in harm's way, and, and as much as they put on his plate – if he replicates that, if you're talking about four, five, six turnover-worthy plays over the course of the entire season, they're going to win a boatload of games, okay, because he's going to make plays. Their receivers are going to make plays for him, and that means there's less of the pressure-forcing 
bad plays or throwing the ball early and bad bounces or what have you, having to be overly anticipative, if you will, uh, of, of certain throws because you're getting it out early. All of that, I think, plays into the end result of how many turnover-worthy plays do we see from Joe Burrow? Does that number be who he was the second half of last season? If that's the case, you're winning turnover differential, you're, you're, you're explosive, you're continuing drives, all of that stuff. Um, will win in a boatload of games. So I'll, I'll say all those kind of – I considered them all, but that's where I ended up with that one. Um, player or stat with the biggest regression concern? So there's a lot of different directions you can go with this here, Jay. Uh, what do you got? Um, well, you kind of touched on it on on the, the stats you mentioned uh, before going with the Burrow turnover-worthy plays. I, I'm going to Trey Hendrickson. I just – First of all, anytime you have a career year, you're ripe for regression. It's hard to duplicate that. Now, how far would, would he fall off? That's a different matter. But I, I the reason it's a concern is because what does that overall pass rush look like if Trey Hendrickson 2022 is not the same Trey Hendrickson 2021? Got a lot of young dudes. Um, you got Sam Hubbard coming off the other end. But but does that defensive pressure rate come anywhere close to what they did last year, which created a lot of those turnovers in the playoff run and, and, and during the regular season, does it look anywhere close to that? If, if Trey Hendrickson falls off, you know, even a little bit, um, I, I just I, I, that's my pick. I just I, it's hard to do what he did two years in a row. Uh, I he has been really good in camp. Yes. Like really, really, he has not looked like he has any let up in him, and he did it two years in a row. He I mean, was he really 20, yeah, Saints. He has twenty seven and a half sacks the last yep. two years. His pressure rate was high in New Orleans. His pressure rate continued to be high. I, I, now I, I don't disagree because I mean he was arguably production wise one of the best, if not the best, edges total production rates in every stat you can imagine last year. Uh, so it's it is hard to replicate that no matter who you are. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But he has not looked like a dude who has, has had any let up in him in camp. But we'll see what that looks like when the season starts. I'm going to say Eli Apple um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think they got a ton out of him last year where they didn't expect it. And, and they have a lot of pressure on him to be that again. And there's, you know, you have a you have a track record of bouncing around, up and down, a bit of a roller coaster. He's kind of a roller coaster personality in some people's eyes. Um, what can you get that again? Can you bottle that again from Eli Apple? Um, he's going to be targeted big time. We mentioned Cheeto Bay. The league knows that. The league knows him. You mentioned Mike Hilton. The league knows him. They're going to be looking to go after Eli Apple and test him. Will he be able to stand up to it? Still, there's really no backup that you're comfortable with at all. I mean, Trey Flowers, right, who was cut by Seattle midseason last year uh, and came in and filled the tight end role thing. But, like, you, you know, they, they, the Cam Taylor Britt injury has that thing totally hmm. foobarred. Yeah. And so, you know, you have a lot of pressure on him. He need, They need it. And that's why it's my biggest concern of regression potential is that because if it doesn't, if he does regress – you have a massive hole in an otherwise really solid defense. Uh, yeah, who will I, end up the biggest surprise, Jay? I have uh, my argument 
is Cordell Volson. <laughs> that was my pick. You're yeah. the same one. I, yeah. I don't I think he plays solid and we don't end up talking a ton about him as the year goes on. I think he's gonna be okay. He's surrounded by a bunch of solid vets. He seems to be have a solid head on his shoulders and, and has held up well at most turns. The coaches seem to have a lot of confidence in him. And I I is I, big of a storyline as left guard has been, I think it fades as a storyline as the year goes on. Yeah, uh, from 1946 to 2014, no rookie offensive lineman made the Pro Bowl. No, I'm not picking Cordell Volson for the Pro Bowl. But from 2015 to current, you've seen it happen a lot. There have been a, Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, Creed Humphrey, um, Rashawn Slater. I mean, there, there, there's a number of those guys that have come in and been good right away. And, yeah, most of those guys are higher first-round picks. Volson being between Jonah Williams and Ted Karras – and we we talk all the time about no donkeys. I I don't I don't think he's going to even be close to that. I I think the combination of Frank Pollock and those all those veterans on that O line are really going to bring him along and getting thrown into the fire right off the bat. Maybe he's not great against Pittsburgh in Week One, but he's going to be better for it. And I do I I think he is going to hold up and, and be a lot better than people think or slash hope. Yeah. Um, so our last one will be a run passer booter here. Uh, let's do record most likely to fall. Okay. Uh, we've got chase with the receiving record now at 1,455 yards burrow with the passing mark franchise passing mark at 4,611 and Rudy Johnson still holds the record, uh, for most rushing yards in a season with 1,458 record, most likely to fall run passer boot Jay. Booting the 1455 for Chase. I just, there's too many weapons. Uh, the ball's going to be spread around too much for one guy to, to dominate. Um, even though Chase did it last year with basically the same cast. Um, I'll, I'll run with Burrow passing. I just think that's what the, he's, he's ascending. He's still year three. I think so much of what he does is going to be even better this year. And because there are so many weapons out there, he'll be able to do it. Um, I, I do like the idea of, of Joe Mixon challenging possibly Rudy Johnson's record, but for, for today's NFL and for a team that has the receiver options, they do. I just don't know that he's going to have the, the amount of carries to get there. Although you had him pretty high, would you have 261? Um, so that, that, that's a, that's a heavy load, but I just, I'm going to run with the Burrow passing, run with Mixon, or run with rushing record, and, and boot the the receiving record. I don't think anyone gets near 1455. Now I want to say not won't get near it, but I don't think anyone tops 1455 this year. Yeah, I don't. Um, I I don't have. I have Burrow as the one to fall in my actual projections mm-hmm. at at 4,702 yeah. uh, yards this year. But remember the extra game. Uh, which he didn't Helps. get last year is it could could help you assuming that he's not being rested or missing any games during the year um, could be the little bit of difference that you need. I think that's part of where that comes from because that's more yardage even at a lower yards per attempt number um, just by the nature I think of, of they're, they're not going to be as explosive with the, the 50 plus yard plays and things like that which were just absurd last year. Um, totally unsustainable to think that you're going to have 12 <laughs> 50 plus yard plays again. I mean NFL record. So um so I I'm 
I'm running with Burrow because I have that, and I'm passing on Chase, and I'm booting Rudy. I, I just don't see Zach Taylor, as long as he has Joe Burrow, ever challenging Rudy Johnson's rush yardage record. Like, Even though I have some serious volume happening with Mixon, I do think that is going to be the case. Um you know, I still, that's a long way to go to get up to 1,458. Mixon at that usage would have to be up over five per carry. I don't see that happening, even with a revamped offensive line. And Chase, look, he was right there. Like, why can't he break his own? I mean, Justin Jefferson topped himself. I'm mm-hmm. sure Chase is thinking, but I don't think it's crazy to think that he could talk top himself. Um, so I'll, I'll pass on Chase and, and I'll boot. Rudy. All right. So those are our questions. We're going to kind of do some more similar types of things with that at our live show at 50 West when we have everybody in the house to offer up their answers uh, and have a lot of fun with that when we're down at the live show at 50 West on Thursday. So that and that will post as an episode, of course, uh, once we get done down there. But obviously, we'd love to see you come and cheers with you. Say hello, chat, talk Bengals, watch the game, all that stuff. Looking forward to seeing everybody down there. All right. Let's get to what the artist formerly known as working title scoops nuggets shout out to our guy tom watson who you know he's an excellent children's book writer who we have we have plowed through the stick dog and stick cat series here in my house uh and and loved every second of it and shout out to him for sending those books my way which they have been a big hit but also i should have known he'd be the one to come up and solve our words problem and uh he has come up with this he said you know what an acronym is where this needs to go. And he thought any relevant Bengals insights, extras, stories, otherwise known as Arby's. That's great. Really should you really <laughs> the, I, any relevant Bengals insights, extras and stories. Br- give me your Arby's, Jay. That's where we're at. So we're, we're our, our, we now have a new name for uh our our nuggets section and so i appreciate tom for the shout out also enjoyed a suggestion of we've got the scoops which was brought to me (laughs) on twitter which i really liked that it was a it was a close second so close so close (laughs) but i like i like the acronym We're, we're big acronym people here so jay do you have any arby's for me uh yes i have one uh it it's Trey Hendrickson already has recorded his first sack of the season. He sacked me uh, when I was <laughs> when I was uh, polling people for their pick for the next Pro Bowl. I, I he was watching a ping pong match, and I, I said, "Hey, can I grab you for something real quick while you're watching this?" And he said, "Sure." And so I asked him the question and told him he couldn't pick any. He couldn't pick Joe Burrow. I forgot to mention he couldn't pick anyone in his room. And he said DJ Reader. And I said, "Oh wait, I, I forgot. You you can't pick anyone in your own room." He's like, "Well, I don't want to play then." He said, said, that's too hard. And I said, okay, I relented. I let him, I let him pick DJ reader. So, uh, (laughs) I, I, it was, uh, my bad for not laying the rules down in the first place. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate Trey playing after I bent the rules for him. I don't know. Did we mention the ping pong card table situation last time? I can't remember if we did or not. It has grown out of control. Yes. The, 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 the locker room. Uh, is currently consists of cornhole boards, two ping pong tables, and a card table used for boure games. Okay, like real and like felt. What's that? And card tricks. 
and card tricks. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so you've got multiple ping. So whenever you hear any of these interviews, like you guys listened to Cheeto earlier um, or any of these you're in here, you're going to constantly hear the sound of the ping pong ball, some music, maybe some cornhole boards hitting. the. I mean, it has become just a frat house of recreation at this point uh, inside of the Bengals locker room. It's, you know, hey, keeping it light. But you know what? This always used to – this was a, a favorite uh, – favorite trope this time of year when you know a team is starting to tighten up and trying to be more disciplined in a new season they got rid of the ping pong table right like that's where you found out <laughs> or a team was too tight last year they're trying to loosen up they added a ping pong table right like that's that's always the sign that people want to use as to why we can tell how things have truly changed well you can't get looser than what they are right now because it is yeah. uh it is it is quite a competitive fest in there Right now, uh, I really at this point feel embarrassed that we don't have something that we set up in there. I mean, what can we? Uh, I feel like we need to bring something to the table. Maybe we can bring. Uh, what do you got, Jay? You got I was yard games. Uh, uh, well, let's follow Jeff Hobson's advice. Never let him see you do anything athletic. Yeah, that's true. Because what we're about, gonna look ridiculous. Well, honestly, it looks like if you go to one of these bars, it's like all the outdoor like maybe we bring in some giant Jenga or something that we can yeah. we can set up there on some side or one of the giant Connect Four. We could maybe we could drop that in a corner. Actually, I, I think you and I could hold our own in cornhole against any team they could come up with. Oh, in absolutely! The I think I would absolutely say that you and I can beat any combination of people in, in in that team. I will I will stand on the table for that one. I'll stand on the card table or the <laughs> ping pong table or the other ping pong table for that one. Okay, happily. Um, all right. Let's go. Um, so that's that's kind of my Arby's. I also had one one thing that I just appreciated. Uh, you know, we, we've heard uh, Zach Taylor talk a little bit about the need for s- the staff to not get obsessed with, you know, working till the lights go out and sleeping in the building and and make sure you break yourself and the importance of being home and and keeping the, the work life balance as a part of sustaining through the season. He told everybody, get out of here this past weekend like go find your family go home go wherever you know not just home here go back i i talked to lou anarumo for a story it's running wednesday and another story it's going to run later this year um and i did it over zoom and i was i was like he said he was going to go golfing with his son and i was like oh that's great i said i uh i feel bad for you though because it is man it is pouring huh and he goes oh i'm in west i'm in new york right now so <laughs> it is a beautiful day and we're about to go hit the links. And so everybody's, yeah, pretty much everybody kind of went somewhere, wherever their home is, wherever, the, wherever they needed to do, get away, turn off. It's kind of the taking this bye week that exists now but with, the, with the, the loss of the regular season and helping divide up the camp and regular season and really get a chance to, to say hi to your families, make sure you're staying connected there and find that work-life balance that you need before you go all in. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, just uh, giving everybody the three extra days to really, really get away. Little surprise slash disappointed that Joe Burrow went to Ohio State Notre Dame instead of Ohio University Florida Florida Atlantic. Hey, one game was closer than the other. I'll tell you You're that right. much. That's right. That's right. Go go, Bob's. Bob's with the forty one thirty eight win over Florida Atlantic Ohio State. Yeah, Sam Hubbard and Joe Burrow at at Ohio State. Uh, just a cavalcade of stars. I mean, they they were showing that game and like the the it was recruiting weekend. I won a big recruiting weekend of because of course it was. You know, it's Saturday night. You've got Notre Dame in town, 
and it, you've, all your NFL alumni are off. So here comes Chase Young and Terry McLaurin and Joe Burrow and Sam Hubbard, and uh, there were a ton of other people there on the sideline there for Ohio State. I mean, can you imagine being some 17-year-old kid thinking about going to Ohio State? Be like, yeah, I could sign up for this yeah. world. You know, There's a reason that they're recruiting, they're recruiting classes stay where they stay. I thought I saw Von Bell in a picture there, too. He was never mentioned. It was just Hubbard and Burrow. We'll have to ask him uh, if, if he did make the trip as well because another Ohio State product. Yes, that's that's true. There, there will be plenty of Bengals that could go up there. So <laughs> yes. uh, even more Arby's for you there on that one. All right. Uh, let's, we're running late here, so uh, let's just try to knock out a couple quick questions that I saw on here for those of you that came to watch on YouTube. Really appreciate that. Uh, this one from Mr. Isippi. I see what you're doing. I get it. I like it. Uh, love the show, guys. Question for whenever you get to them. How much of a difference in record do you think it would make for the Bengals to have the 12th best O-line versus the 21st best O-line? It's it's a good question. Like, what is that marker? Um, you know, I think there's a win there. I mean, for winner, winning yeah, one and a half two. war on that, right? I mean, hmm. look, they were so bad last year. Uh, so what are we talking about? You know, when it comes to being better this year, um, they they won ten. They went ten and six essentially uh, before resting starters last year. Is it you know? Is it twelve and five, thirteen and four? I, I'd put it at one and a half war on that. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. One or two. It's not. It sounds like a major difference, but you do. You look at what they did last year with the bad line. Um, how much more is that going to help just to move up nine spots in the rankings? I I think one and a half is right. You're right on it. Uh, let's go one more quick one. And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, actually, here we go. Here's here's one we didn't talk about earlier. Um, once we get to questions, this is from Jacob Leroy. I'll ask the same one I asked James Rapine. Boo, James. <laughs> Just kidding. We love James. We'll see him on Thursday. Uh, ask James Rapine for all three of you. Oh, this was when Mo was with us. Sorry. Mo's not going to get the answer to this one. Maybe we'll ask him Thursday as well. Uh, are you more excited to see the new offensive line play or see the new Dax Hill defense play? Hmm. That's a good question. What do you think, Jay? Uh, I'm going to go with the volume there and go to the new O-line. It's every single play. I don't know what Dax Hill's snap share is going to look like. I, I expect it to be significant, but he's not a starter. He's not going to be out there every play. Um, yeah, it's more fun to watch those position guys, but I, I, I – the, the big question is, is this O-line not, – not are they going to be better? You assume they will. How much better are they going to be? And just watching Cordell Volson, and and you, there's still questions about Collins because we haven't really seen him do much outside of getting some fights at a joint practice. So um, <laughs> there's – there's there's a lot of intrigue with that O line, and it is. It, it, I, I might be contradicting myself here when we just went one one and a half wins on the last question, but I do think it is a a very relevant piece to the success this year, and it's that it, it's watching five guys as opposed to one. Um, so I, I'm going to lean toward the O line. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I agree with you. I, that'd be my choice as well. I, the the fact that no one wants to talk about the Dax Hill role, like it is the <laughs> it is like some sort of sealed document, right? That it just un it, it is confidential. No one dares. This goes all the way back to draft night. I was like, well, Lou's got a plan for him, but we don't want to talk. You know, we got ideas, and it and that continued through yesterday. 
where again, it was Zach Taylor saying, we're not going to talk about what the role is. And I talked to Lou on many occasions as I try to dig into the defense story. And it, it is a, I mean, it is a tightly kept secret of how, how exactly they do plan on utilizing Dax Hill in this third safety role. There's only so many things you can do out there, but my expectation is to see a whole lot of everything. So I am excited to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. I think that's going to be really interesting just because of the, you know, the way they are keeping it so tight lipped at this point. Uh, however, yeah, I mean, the O line's the story going to continue to be the story. Um, and so it'll be really interesting to see how they look in, in protecting Joe Burrow. Uh, all right. Um, thanks to everybody that has watched on YouTube and those of you listening again, I'll be back with another episode, an interview with, uh, Caroline and Elizabeth Blackburn, uh, as we get a front office point of view on where things stand with the Bengals as the season begins. And then our live show on Thursday night, seven o'clock 50 West Brewing Company, Optimistic Bobby will be there cavalcade of local reporters, uh, media folks. Who, who are excited to share our opinions uh, and and maybe get after it with each other. I have to go back and listen to last year's because there were some very interesting comments that were proven <laughs> very wrong uh, as we go back and listen to those arguments we had then. But it's gonna, supposed to be a beautiful night for the beer garden at 50 West. And, man, I'm excited for it. Uh, Rams, Bills, right afterwards, we'll hang out and have some pops with those of y'all that are hanging around. So thanks to everybody for listening, watching, however you follow along and we will uh, we will talk to you next time have a good one everybody Thank you.